some things in life make you drop everything. When I uh, worked in publishing, you know, I might be meeting with somebody part of my day, but if the executive assistant called and said, hey, the CEO needs you in a meeting, I'd tell whoever that person was, hey, I'm really sorry, but I'm gonna have to reschedule and head out the door because some things make you drop everything. Now imagine though that I am now in the CEO's office and I get a text on my phone from Karen, my wife, saying, I, hey, just got called from school. Andrew fell off playground equipment. He's unresponsive and on way to hospital. Then I would tell the CEO, excuse me, I'm really sorry, but I have to go. Because some things make us drop everything. So let me ask you, who or what in your life could, could make you drop everything at any time, and it really wouldn't matter who you were with or what you would have to leave behind. Well, as you think about that, and if you have such a person or thing in your life, then you already know something essential about the voice of Jesus Christ, its authority its claim on your life, its summoning power, and its ultimacy, when Jesus speaks, can make you drop everything. Now, how you and I respond to that voice will define our lives. I was thinking back, I first heard the voice of Jesus Christ when I was 14. It since then, it has summoned me to big things and small things. It has summoned me to, to new friends, new activities, uh, a different college, and a different major. It has taken me and summoned me to a different way of dating and a different way of being married. That voice has summoned me to new places to live and to the work that I have done. It's, it's affected and called me to how I've spent my money. I, I remember one time I heard the drop everything voice of Jesus Christ from a guy I had just met at a conference, hadn't even been 24 hours, and he looked at me and he said, you need to get off the fence. <laughs> and <laughs> what freaked that is a, a virtual stranger was telling me something so direct and personal, but that I could hear the voice of Jesus speaking through him. I remember one time hearing the voice of Jesus Christ in an absolutely silent prayer meeting in which a little old lady passed down the row a three by five card that she had written on in pencil. And when it came to me, I saw it, it said, Kevin, the word I hear is yes. And that yes changed the trajectory of my life. Well, in fact, I think that if you and I were to diagram our lives, we could do it this way. We could just simply map on the spectrum of our lives, the, the sort of timeline of our lives, those times in which we heard Jesus Christ and what we did when we heard the voice. Did we respond? Did we obey and follow it a certain way? 
or did we plug our ears or press the snooze button or go the opposite way? The voice of Jesus has summoning power. And so tonight I wonder, has he been speaking to you? Is he even now summoning you? My heart for you is that you and I would hear the voice of Jesus Christ and you would obey the summons and I would do the same. And so to help you with this, what I wanna to try to do tonight is kind of be like a spiritual audiologist and invite you into a quiet sound studio and, and put some headphones on you and, and then let you, and then play for you the voice of Jesus Christ. But before warned, that voice has summoning power. Some things make you drop everything. Well, it starts for us there in the gospel tonight, Luke 5 and verse 1. Once when Jesus was standing on the shore of Lake Gennesaret, which is just another name for the Sea of Galilee, the crowd was pushing in on him to hear the word of God. The crowd was pushing in on him to hear the word of God. They are pushing closer. They're jostling. They're creeping forward. They're elbowing their way forward. And Jesus is having to go back and back and back until the bottom of his robe and his feet are now getting wet in the lake. Have you ever been in a crowd that big and intense? I remember when I was in sixth grade, I went to a large high school football game. It was a conference championship game. And I got there, uh, you know, quite a bit before game time and the gates were locked until one hour prior to the game. And so there were several thousand people all jammed up against the gate that was about to open. And when they finally came out and unlocked it and, and pulled open the gate, the crowd surged forward all at once. And I, I was just in sixth grade. I was skinny then too, and only even lighter. And the crowd just kind of picked me up off my feet as it was moving forward. That's how tightly we were packed together. And then set me down about five feet later once it started to get through the gate. Well, what's happening this day is that this crowd has not come for a football game. They're pushing in on Jesus to hear the word of God. When Jesus speaks, you can hear God coming out. You hear the word of God. And that is something that people push in for. As one person who heard Jesus preach said, it was like our hearts were burning inside when he was, when he was talking about the scriptures and showing us how they really point to him. Some of you might know the name Oswald Chambers. In fact, I'm, I'm sure many of you do. He, he lived uh, about 100 years ago, and, and some of his books are still very popular, including My Utmost for His Highest. And he, during World War I, when the war broke out, he signed on as a chaplain, and he was sent to Egypt to serve the needs of Australian and New Zealander soldiers who were based there before they were going to be called up to serve in the brutal Battle of Gallipoli in Turkey. Well, the military wanted chaplains there to try to keep the troops 
out of the brothels in Cairo. And so they gave a bunch of chaplains these wooden huts where they could, you know, hold concerts and show movies, try to give the soldiers something to do. And Chambers, when he got there, decided, you know what, I'm, that's not what I came to do. I'm going to ditch the concerts and the movies. I'm going to teach the Bible. And the other chaplains were like, yeah, good luck with that, Oswald, because all the, all the soldiers will leave. Nobody's going to come for that. But they had not figured on what happens when a person like Oswald Chambers, who has heard the summoning voice of Jesus Christ, then preaches the Bible so that that voice can speak through it. Hundreds of soldiers started coming to his meetings as he, as he spoke on topics like, what's the use of prayer? And brought it all down to right where they lived. One time a, a soldier came up to Oswald after one of the meetings and said, I can't stand religious people. And Chambers said, neither can I. Which, as you read the Bible, sounds a lot like Jesus. Anyway, when Jesus speaks, people push in to hear him. Are you pushing in? Am I? Let's start with the Bible. Uh, how, do, how do you approach the Bible? Are, are you sort of moderately interested in it? Are you kind of bored with it all? Or are you pushing in? Or for preaching? Are, are, are you leaning forward, hoping to hear a word from Christ through whoever happens to be preaching that evening? Well, this day, so many people are pushing in to hear Jesus that he needs to find a place where he won't get crushed. And so he notices two boats tied up and the fishermen have just left them and were out scrubbing their nets. Now, what they've done is they finished their 10 or 12 hour night shift and the last thing they have to do before they can head home is uh, they, they use these drag nets and cast nets and, and those, when they're drawn in, pull up sticks and, and sand and seaweed and gunk. And so you have to scrub all those out of the nets. And so Jesus then climbs into the boat that was Simon's and asks him to put out a little bit from the shore. So now it's just Jesus and this commercial fisherman named Simon, Simon Peter, who are in this boat and they're a little ways out and they're sitting there. And now, you know, a voice carries very well across water and people are headed up the beach. It's kind of like a natural amphitheater. And Jesus from there, using the boat like a pulpit, teaches the crowd. Now, you've maybe wondered, as I have when I read this, that why would Simon let some strange teacher he doesn't know use his boat, especially when he's ready to go home, tired, and, and go to sleep? But it's because they've actually already met. Simon and Jesus know each other. Uh, Jesus spoke in the synagogue one day. Simon invited him home to his house. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed, super sick, running a really high fever, and Jesus heals her. So, so Simon has a huge regard for Jesus. And if Jesus wants to borrow his boat, Simon will take him out in it. And that decision is going to teach Simon something else important about the voice of Jesus. Verse four, when Jesus finishes teaching, he says to Simon, push out into deep water now and let your nets out for a catch. 
And Simon's like, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. Like, this is a bad idea. Sometimes the voice of Jesus does not make sense to us. Why he would summon us there. It doesn't make sense what he would be calling us to do. You don't catch fish in the heat of the day. That's not how fishing goes. Plus, Simon's thinking, I don't want to have to clean all these nets again. I just did. But it's the voice of Jesus talking to him. So Simon says, but, okay, but if you say so, I'll let out the nets. And he throws those huge, heavy nets over the side and watches as the weights carry them down to the bottom. And when he pulls them in, it was no sooner said than done, a huge haul of fish, straining the nets past capacity. They're, they're practically breaking. They wave to their partners in the other boat to come out and help them. And they fill both the boats, nearly swamping them with the catch. So I had to ask myself, how many fish does it take to swamp two of these boats, almost sink them? Well, here's the answer. They have actually, first of all, these fishing boats are really big. Um, they've excavated one that was in use at the time of Jesus. It's, it's in Israel if you want to go see it sometime. And it's 27 feet long and almost eight feet wide. Now to swamp two boats of that size, it's been estimated would take about a ton, 2000 pounds of fish. Now the fish that they're catching here is a fish called the mushed, uh, M-U-S-H-T, and those typically weigh in about four pounds per fish. So what you've got in these boats is 500 four pound fish. And these guys are looking now at the biggest catch they've ever seen in their lives or ever heard about. And Simon, when he sees it, falls to his knees before Jesus. His knees are down in a pile of squirming fish. And he says, Master, leave. I, I, I can't handle this holiness because I'm a sinner. Leave me to myself. Jesus has just spoken in the language that a commercial fisherman can hear, the language of fish. <laughs> he just gave him a ton of fish, a literal ton of fish. And Peter knows, I, I, I don't know what level of holiness or deity or something that's going on that would give him the power, give Jesus the power to secretly call fish to our boat to say, come on over here. That's right. Swim into the net. I wondered, did the fish say, but Jesus, if I swim into the net, I'll lose my life. And Jesus says, I need you to do this for me. Just keep coming on in. Sometimes the voice of Jesus does not make sense. But when Jesus teaches, people push in to hear him. When Jesus calls, fish swarm toward him. And now Jesus's voice gets personal for Peter on his knees, wishing Jesus would just leave him alone. And Jesus says to Simon, there's nothing to fear. I'm not here to use my power against you. 
that's not what I'm here to do. From now on, he says, you will be fishing for men and women. Jesus is not making a request like, if you don't mind, could you please come and start to follow me? Jesus is making a declaration. Let me tell you, Simon, what your life is going to look like from now on. Let me tell you the new work you're going to do. It will involve some transferable skills from the work you've been doing, but it's going to be new work and I'm commissioning you to it. This is my declaration. From now on, you'll be catching men and women. What does Peter do? Scholar Craig Keener notes that uh, fishermen at this time had a better than average income. So for him to walk away from this business that he's worked so hard to build up, he's got partners, he's got capital investment in the boat and in the nets, it's going to hit him in the pocketbook. And he knows that. And yet he and his partners in the prime of their work life walk away from their business to follow him. They pulled their nets, their, excuse me, their boats up on the beach, left them, nets and all, and followed that voice of Jesus. When Jesus teaches, people push in to hear him. When he speaks, even silently, fish swarm toward him. When he calls, grown adults drop everything they've worked for and follow him. Now, what does this all mean tonight for you and for me? Jesus is still alive and he is still speaking. His voice has not been silenced and never will be. I wonder, what is he saying to you? Has he been nudging you recently? Maybe someone tried to say something to you and you weren't quite able to hear it. But maybe that was Jesus speaking through them. Is he saying to you, as he said to Peter, from now on, You'll be doing this, whatever this is for you. Is he saying, do not fear? He said that many times. Is he saying, I've already told you and still you don't believe? Is he saying, come unto me and rest? But whatever he is saying, know this, Jesus's voice pulls, it draws, it summons, it has authority over us and we know it does. And yet, and yet, the voice of Jesus is something we can reject. It happened many times. The Bible teaches clearly that from that time on, many disciples deserted him and left him. Are you hearing the voice of Jesus and are you leaning in to hear it? And as you do, are you obeying its summoning power? Peter could have said, I'm just staying right here with the life I know. Maybe that's what you're thinking. He could have said, Jesus, I already told you I'm a sinner. Jesus doesn't seem that concerned. He just says, let me tell you what you're going to be doing now. 
Maybe you're thinking as Peter did, if I follow you in this way, I'll lose what I've worked for. When you and I start to follow the voice of Jesus Christ, there is no guarantees, none. The only guarantee is that what he says will happen will happen. And when he says to Simon, from now on, you'll be catching people, that happens. Now, along the way, Simon is jailed. He's exiled. He's ultimately killed. But boy, does he catch people, thousands at a time. And had he not done that, you and I would not be here tonight. The faith would not have come down to us. We would have had no opportunity to hear the message of the risen Jesus Christ or follow that commanding voice. Are you listening to the voice? What you do with that voice will define you. And now I, I want to give you a minute of silence to just uh, silently there as best you can think and pray. Open yourself up. Tell Jesus that you do want to be hearing anything that he may have to say to you. Let's pray. And I will close with this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you are alive and you speak. Summon your people. Encourage those who need to be strengthened. Guide those who need guidance. Correct those who need correction and love each one. In your powerful name we pray, amen.